People, deluded, I'm back again. I hope you're all doing well and safe on this Friday morning. Welcome back to another edition of the Deluded Podcast, the really and truly podcast, the DG Podcast, the People's Podcast. People, deluded, I'm your host, Deluded Gooner. And obviously, as I just said, it's Friday morning over here in the UK. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night depending on who you are, wherever you are because as the grand bros, you know, we're reaching out into more and more countries and this year has been a real eye-opener, apologies, for me in terms of content, you know, I've all over Europe, all over the Americas, all over the Caribbean, you know, it's crazy what the internet can do, it's crazy how my love for talking about football and obviously your obvious passion for football has been the middle ground that has met us uh, met us together and as 2020 is almost finished and it's a time for self-reflection for a lot of people myself included i've come a long way in everything i'm doing and i feel like i keep getting better and, and i just got to keep pushing really and truly and you look the same man whatever you are whoever you are whatever you're doing in your life you just got to keep pushing you know you can't always judge life based on the um the, the the fruits that you pick off the tree sometimes you have to judge a day by day or life based on the seeds you grow and just i always say you can't always look at what other people are doing just look after your own garden it don't matter how big their tree is how much mangoes they got coming out of their thing just look after your own little thing and you'll be all right people so yeah man i hope we keep pushing we keep striving but in relation to the premier league as you lot know the games are coming thick and fast it's the festive period i'm not gonna lie arsenal drew 1-1 with southampton but it feels like a win, people. We got a point. We scored from open play. My captain has scored, you know. Things are on the up. We're that much closer to 40 points. I see Big Sam. Sam Allardyce has gone to West Bromwich Albion. Commiserations to Bielik. Um, You know, so he might not be the guy who helps us get out of it, really. So, uh, Arsenal are closer to 40 points and we didn't lose. That's the only benefit. We didn't lose. Uh, we'll get on to Arsenal. But it was the same old, same old, same old, really and truly. So let's jump straight into it, man. As you lot saw, Aston Villa versus Burnley was a nil-nil draw. Few people would have said that wouldn't have been the case. You look at Emmy Martinez. He's got Theo Walcott's got more goals at 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 the Emirates than Aubameyang this season, allegedly. Um, I mean this season, and Martin Martinez got more clean sheets. It's quite crazy. On that, Martinez has kept more clean sheets than any other keeper in the Premier League this season. And also, his Aston Villa side have played fewer games than every other team now. All that matters is what that says in May. But again, it reflects that for me, Villa can defend better than Arsenal. And it obviously raises the question, did we let the better goalkeeper leave? Again, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Um, Aston Villa at the other side, though, can count themselves unlucky. They had 27 shots, people. They recorded 27 shots against Burnley, which is the most by any side without scoring a single goal in the Premier League um, since Crystal Palace um had 31 against Cardiff in December 2018. So again, you can say that's weight. You can put that down to unlock. You can put that down to wastefulness. And, you know, Burnley beat us. They drew nil-nil with Aston Villa. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy. I see 27 shots against Burnley. That tells me a team that's making it hard for a team to come to your away ground. But, like I said, we got a point. So let me not harp on about Burnley. The um, match of the week for me personally, people, would be Leeds versus Newcastle 5-2. You know, Jack Harrison, a banger. Alioski, I believe, becomes the first Macedonian to score in the Premier League. Um, you know, there was, you know, Bamford got on the score sheet. Forgive me if I'm wrong. It was a, it was a free-through watching that game, man. Five, at one point, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. There was a quick flurry of goals. Jack Harrison's goal was disgusting because... He had no right to bang it from there. He, you know, he's dribbling. He could have passed it. He could have went close. So he just bangs it. He says, F this. Let me slap this in. 
great game from from Leeds. You know, one criticism of Leeds is they conceded again from a set piece. Um, when Newcastle scored one of their goals as well, New, um, Leeds have conceded more goals from Premier League. Go- Sorry, Leeds have conceded more Premier League goals from set pieces than any other side this season, which is at twelve. So that's something for Bielsa's men. Who scored Newcastle's second, people? Was it Wilson? I'm sure it was Callum Wilson. I could be wrong. Please don't quote me on that, people. Let me actually do my research. In my in my excitement of speaking about Leeds, I actually forgot the second goal scorer. Apologies, it was Hendrick, people. Um, yeah, Hendrick scored a Constellation striker as well. Um, doesn't matter, you know. You get what you get with Leeds. You get high aggression, you get high demand, and you get energy with Bielsa's side. And I saw all of that. Man to a man, they scored some good goals. You know, Rodrigo scored a good goal as well. And forgive me if I'm wrong, I'm sure he scored a header in that game. It's five goals, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, lovely attacking play, like I said. Leeds have scored five-plus goals in a single Premier League match at their home ground, Ellen Road, for the first time since May 2001, when they beat Bradford City 6-1 people. Pablo Hernandez is ageing like fine wine. You know, age only matters when, you know, when you're a poor footballer. But when you've got a brain... Things can keep working for you. Pablo Hernandez is the oldest player at 35 years of age and 249 days to assist twice in the Premier League game for Leeds people. Gordon, Gordon Strachan did such in 1993 versus Swindon. He was 36 at the time. Uh, moving away from that and, you know, West Ham versus Crystal Palace, a share of the spoils. You know, let me just address it. You all saw Hallier's strike. I can't pronounce his name, but you saw that bicycle kick. You know, he scored seven goals all season, um, three more than any teammate, but that's probably the best goal he will score this season. Obviously, Ben Teke got on the score sheet before being sent off as well. Um, he could say he was a bit harshly done by, but, you know, Ben Teke has scored three goals in his last three Premier League. Apologies, people. I'm yawning for some reason. I'm awake. I'm awake, so I don't know what happened. But let me say that again. Christo, um, Christian Benteke has scored three goals in his last three Premier League appearances. That's as many as he did in his previous 48 people. Like I said, sadly, he got sent off. And Christian Benteke is, in fact, the third Crystal Palace player to score and be sent off in the same Premier League game after Wilfred Zaha did such um, January of last year in 2019. And Glenn Murray also did such, ironically, against West Ham in February 2015. So it's firmly bittersweet. Firmly bittersweet. Now... Arsenal versus Southampton, same old, same old, same old, same old. And those of you who follow my YouTube content, you know I've spoken about this at length and in depth. For me personally, I'm happy we've got a point. It's not a loss. You know, if we lost this, I'm not going to say too much changes because we've been on a losing run. But, you know, it was it's just bad for fans. So a point is better than nothing. You know, it's same old, same old. For me, it's another team that's come to the Emirates like, um, like Wolves, like Aston Villa, you know, every team we've played recently, they've, Southampton got to make it their home pitch. You know, we were very reactive. They came here, played an aggressive 4-4-2, got men behind the ball, broke in numbers, defended in numbers. You know, Theo Walcott, you could see his movement. He weren't in the game until he scored. And that goal that we conceded was a culmination of errors and reactive defending. El Nene and Ceballos, once again, not good enough in the midfield. Gabriel, who likes to step out, and I like that he's an aggressive player, but like you saw, there's pros and cons with it. And he and t- in the game, he did it at expert times, but he doesn't need to step out. He steps out and vacates his position. Obviously, he's in no man's land. Kieran Tierney, where in the build-up before it all, Theo Walcott's got the run on Tierney. You know, Tierney's got, got caught square and he's not looking over his shoulder, but Kyle Saka the same. And he's and, and, he, and Theo Walcott's had his first chance and he creates a dream, you know, dream return 
turned to the Emirates, it's written in the script and it's what you could see really and truly, you know, it's what you knew was going to happen of, su of such people. Again, a lot of people are getting at Leno. Personally, I don't think you can really blame Leno. It's already made. Maybe he came out too early and made Theo Walcott's mind. One thing Theo can do is that classic little chip. When he has to strike, he's either going to hit the side netting or not. You know, Theo Walcott won't score many this season, but that will probably be his highlight. And it's pretty damning that Southampton, and, and rightly so because of the way Arsenal are playing at the moment, Southampton have come to our place. It's simply a point game for Arsenal and two points dropped for Southampton. Similar to United, they had one hand on all points. They should have scored more against us. They should have capitalised on their early domination. You know, what did Arsenal do? Yeah, you could say we had possession at a time and whatnot, but very early on, they had more possession. They had more efforts. They made it their home pitch. You know, Alex McCarthy is a suspect keeper and you saw elements of it when we did get forward that he is extremely suspect. A point doesn't do much for Arsenal, of course. You know, we're really making a meal of things. As I said, this was an important 10 days for us. We bottled it against Burnley. For whatever reason, we've not got three points. So yeah, when I say a man's been sent off and, you know, you had to defend for, you know, for large periods of the game with 10 men, cool. But it's not good enough. And then we go into an Everton team where they dis they, they dismantled Leicester 2-0. They're in form. Yeah, they've had a bit of a blip. But they're scary people. So you can only see it going one way, really and truly. I've got a lot of time for Gabriel. I stand with Gabriel. I'll always defend Gabriel. But games like this show, the man, show him that he's 22. Two needless sending offs, you know. You don't need to kick the ball away for the first one. For the second, you know, he's been spanned by... He's getting too tight to Theo Walcott. Theo Walcott's on the halfway line. You know, I actually feel the midfield... Where are the midfielders, really and truly? Because Gabriel shouldn't be there. He's on the halfway line. He's spanned him. If he spins, you don't worry about it, you know. Just carry on. And it shows he's, 20, it shows he's 22 and he's inexperienced. I still stand by Gabriel. Because nine times out of ten, he's been one of the only few players that gets it. He has been consistent. That's the only terrible game he's really had. You're all due one, really. Really, it's the same like Saka, you know, against Burnley. I don't think Saka had the best of games, but he went down fighting. And obviously on the no topic of Saka, Arsenal players hide. That's the problem. We know we've got a bunch of hiders. You see Saka's got a um, dribble in the build-up to Eddie Nketiah getting the assist for Aubameyang's goal. He could have easily went down. He could have passed it. But that's what I mean by players have to be a bit braver and try things. He's dribbled past about three, man. He's tried to go for the one-two. It hasn't happened, but he's fallen into the path of his captain Aubameyang, who, you know, has scored really and truly. And for Aubameyang, hopefully we now have lift-off and whatnot, because as you lot know, Aubameyang with that, um, he's ended a run of 648 minutes without a goal at the Emirates Stadium. You know, it probably feels like an away game for him, people, um, in that regards. Of course, I was happy that William got dropped. Pepe didn't take his chance. I do think Pepe should still stay in the lineup. But, you know, fans, we can complain. Pepe himself, he cannot complain if he is dropped for William at the weekend because you didn't take your opportunity. At a point, we only really had two shots on target and they were two tame efforts from Pepe. You didn't take your chance. Maitland now, I don't feel he took his chance. I feel he intercepted well, but I don't think he was good enough on the ball. Normally, it's the other way around. Don't think either player really sees their opportunity. Like I said, they still should get moments. I don't. I feel El Nene's now had two poor games in a spin, and that early season four might be wearing out. Danny Ceballos, you know, he, he, again, he's flying into tackles, he's diving, he's doing everything other than just being a good footballer and being a Real Madrid man in the wrong colour. We should be, the way the, the same way I talk about Kieran Tini, Bakayo Saka, Gabriel and players of that nature, whether we win, lose or draw, I should be talking about you, Ceballos, like that, but I'm not really and truly. Like I said, it's a point game for Arsenal, it's two point drops for Southampton, you know, and it, it speaks volumes that Southampton, you know, they haven't won it since 1987, but they feel they should have taken all three points. As they should, really, you know, they they 
they played a team that went down to 10 men. They let them get back in the game, you know. And that's when you look at the statistics, Southampton are up there for drop points. But you can't not admire Hassan Hutu. What I saw, again, every team we play every week now, I'm seeing teams that reflect their manager, that you can see a blueprint. Arteta's closing in. Next week, he would have been here a year now. I don't see a blueprint. I don't see togetherness. I don't see what this team is about. And also away from the manager, you know, the manager, once you step onto that field, he can give you guidance. You need to take responsibility. I don't see enough players standing up to be counted. I'm seeing players scared to make the runs, scared to pass a ball, just doing, trying to do the minimum, passing the buck. You know, and I genuinely do think players know at Arsenal, whether we lose or draw, there's going to be some players that are going to take more heat and they're hiding behind that. They're hiding behind the scrutiny of the manager. There's a lot of pretenders in this football club, people. And when we get a point, I'm seeing all the tweets and that, like a like even a Bamian, I'm upset with you, you know, because when you, you know, you only come out talking now in relation to us getting a point and speaking wavy and stuff. But when we're losing, I'm seeing Bakayo Saka come out to the fans. I'm seeing Tierney post games. I'm seeing Joe Willock, who, you know, is marginalised in this club why is it only when there's a fraction of positivity that a lot of you want to come out because a lot of you are soft you all want to take the praise and we all know fans can take it too far but you all want to take the praise in good times when we're playing wavy when we're playing shaky guys don't want to stand up to be counted no one wants to be accountable no one wants to seize the destiny no one wants to be accountable of their future and seize their moment it's not making much sense people so like I said, it's a point gain for Arsenal. It's two points dropped for Southampton, really and truly. With that being said, when you look at it, you know, since Mikel Arteta's first game in the Premier League in charge, Boxing Day last year, Arsenal have been shown seven red cards, four more than any other Premier League team in this period. And I think when I look at it, I see, in, I see reactiveness. A lot of these red cards, are, we're, we're reacting, you know. We're very reactive. We're reactive as a football club. That's why, you know, we're reactive in our defending. That's why there's red cards and poor goals conceded, you know, for, for Theo Walcott's and Gabriel's red cards. We're reactive off the field with what we do in the transfer market. Our tactics are very reactive by the manager. We're just reactive as a football club. You know, some of them red cards, you know, and indiscipline. When you hear people are going to Dubai unnecessarily, when you hear, you know, people are turning up to training wrong, when you hear people are fighting, showing fighting, every other aspect but the football field when we're making these consistent same mistakes for me along with the red cards I just see indiscipline indiscipline and when you're not disciplined that means you're not dedicated to your craft enough you're taking shortcuts you're cheating yourself everything you do in the dark comes to light that's why I love football you can't trick all the people all the time and these players are pretenders they don't want it enough they, whether it's state, where well, it has to be staying in the league, you know. Prior to this game week, you know, before the lot, the this week's fixtures, there was only five points separating tenth from first. If you were again, I don't like this if word because facts are we're not. But if you did what you needed to do, you'd still be in the mix for top four. And and, and the wickedest thing is mathematically it's still possible. But are you lot galvanized to do the mighty ducks thing? Are you lot galvanized to even put consistency together? You lot will talk. You know, Everton is a must win for you lot. Arteta might not make it out of the year. But it'll be the same old, same old. These players hide. You never get the vibe at Arsenal that winning is the only thing. And winning doesn't mean trophies. Excellence. I mean, putting in a great performance. You know, we keep letting teams come to our backyard at the Emirates and set up shop. Are you going to leave your... If you leave your front door open and somebody comes in and tries to take your TV, people, are you going to let them take it? Are you going to let them start cooking in your yard? So why do we let them behave like this? You know, you let him. You knew Theo Walcott was gonna come and score. You let him come and score and have his little fairy tale and things like that. And I think only Van Persie and Giroud have more goals at the Emirates than Theo, which is impressive for Theo. But it highlights how inconsistently he was because Giroud wasn't here as long as you were touching what. You was here since 2016. When did Giroud land? Credit to Giroud. You know, fair enough. Van Persie was here for a second still as well, but 
shows how mediocre. And I feel it was it was ironic of Theo Walcott to come to the Emirates. You know, we've seen him arrive at Arsenal as a boy, a young teenager, leave a man. And he, and all I got from this is, you know, he's still a winger. You know, you, you all I get from Theo Walcott's career is, are you a winger, are you a striker? Are you a winger, are you a striker? And he went for all of that to finally realise what I was saying when I had Kane Rose in year seven. You are a winger. Take off the number 14 and you are a winger. You, you, you should have stayed with the number 32. It's crazy, you know. Big up Theo Walcott, though, for finding a little thing for him at Southampton. And like I said, you can't not credit Hassan Hutu and what he's doing for his club. But like I said, you know, it's firmly two points dropped for them and a point gained for us. There are really... The only positives for me is that we didn't lose. Simply put, same old, same old in that regards. Um, um, like I said, only Robin Van Persie and Giroud have scored more Premier League goals than Theo Walcott at the Emirates. Theo Walcott has 38, Giroud has 40, Robin Van Persie has 46. Shows how mediocre Theo Walcott is and how underrated Giroud potentially was. We all know Giroud scored against Wolves as well. The only problem with Giroud is, you know, Arsenal looked at him to be, you know, what Aubameyang's been doing or what Harry Kane does for Spurs or Mo Salah, the guy to score 20 league goals minimum. He's not that. Giroud will chip in and do his thing, but you can't have him as the main guy. He's not consistent enough, really. If he had played 38 Premier League games or in the lineup consistently, you'd see that. Um, you know, we, we named a strong a strong lineup in the team. Apparently, the average age of Arsenal's lineup against Southampton was 24 years of age and 39 days old, which is the youngest starting 11 for the Gunners at the Emirates in the Premier League since September 2012, which also was against Southampton, in which they were 24 years of age and 266 days. Again, I don't want to read too much into consistency, into, into um, results and stuff, not results, statistics, but... You look at the win rates in the league. Right now, Mikel Arteta has the lowest people after only winning 13 out of 33 league games um, since he's been here. He's got 39%. Bruce Riuk has 45%. George Graham, 46%. Emre, 49 And Arsene Wenger, 58 Now, obviously, you need to consider that there's many dynamics you need to consider to get to where we're getting at in the tactics. I'm not using that to mock Arteta. I just felt it was a good statistic. Like I said... 10 games without a clean sheet is Arsenal's longest run without a shutout since we moved to the Emirates, which shows you that we're overrated defensively. You know, 13 wins out of 33 in the league for Arteta doesn't look good. The one benefit is that, you know, Mikel Arteta has the exact same record after 50 games for Arsenal as Herbert Chapman had in his first 50, losing 13, drawing 10 and winning 27. Um, so maybe, I'm not saying he's going to be as big as that manager for our club, but that could be something there. And when you look at it, you know, Arsenal's 13th Premier League game last season was at home against Southampton. Obviously, we drew, um, you know, we had 18 points and Emre was was clipped. This season, we have 14 points after a draw in our 13th game against Southampton. Um, so make of that what you will. This is also Arsenal's worst return in the league in a league campaign since 1974-75. We finished 16th that season and we sit 15th for such now. Do I need to spell it out? Things can always happen, people. Um, at least, you know, we didn't let St. Mary's, you know, the St. Mary's men come to our place and, and win away from home for the first time since 98-87 and follow with Wolves, Leicester and Burnley in shutting out those statistics. And it means Arsenal have at least won 18 and lost none of their last 26 matches against Southampton um, since they last won away at our place. So make of that what you will. Um, you know, it's a crazy season. Like I said at the start, Theo Walcott now has more goals at the Emirates than Aubameyang, people. Martinez still has more clean sheets at the Emirates than Leno. Crazy. Now, if we move to Manchester United, people, I'm sure you all saw that crazy game. Um, for Sheffield United, it was a valiant effort, you know, but at the end of the day, you lost. 
for Man United, it continues their, you know, coming back from uh, behind, away from home and winning and, you know, away from home. Man United seem to be better than at, than at Old Trafford. And I saw some quality instance. I feel both keepers, especially if they both want to get called up by England, didn't cover themselves with any glory, you know. Henderson against his old team. I don't know if it was nerves. I don't. I don't know what it is with that man. But it was criminal for for for, for the goal that Man United did concede, or the better yet, the first one. You know, um, Ramsdale. I don't think at least for two of those three goals, I think he was quite poor. But what can you say? You know, Martial got his first goal of of the season. You know, it's been a, a tough one for him. Marcus Rashford got got two goals, and he. You know, if, if Van der Beek clipped him in in the end, I think he could have got his hat trick. And one of those goals was a lovely goal from Rashford. The way he took a good touch and then banged it. Pogba no look passes and them things there. Pog, you know, Pogba's got ability. That was a fantastic game to watch. Obviously, from a Sheffield United perspective, shout out McGoldrick. He got two goals. I think he was the only Sheffield United player that looked on it, that looked like he could present any problems to Man United. And he scored two goals. And I think he was playing quite well. He's holding up the ball, getting little flick-ons. I think he was a bit greedy. He wasn't believing in couple teammates, but it is what it is in that regards, you know. Valiant effort by Sheffield United, but the facts are they still sit bottom. And I think they've come out and said, even if they never pick up another point, Chris Wilder will remain in charge. I don't know if that's sensible or not, people. But what can I say, you know? Shout out to Uncle McGoldrick for doing his thing. But Rashford scored twice. Pogba got an assist. Martial got on the screen on a goal on the score sheet. Don't think Mason Greenwood had the best of games from a Man United perspective, but he's still a young, talented lad. And most importantly, Man United got the three points, people. Like I said, you know... Anthony Martial had to wait 683 minutes to get his goal, but now the goal drought is over. And I think for a player like Martial, that's criminal. And I think a man that's 25, 26 now, you need to, are you a winger? Are you a striker? What are you now? Let's define you, Martial, man. You know, can we get a bit of consistency from you? Because I like him a lot. I think he's got potential, but, and you know, he's coming into that age now where the penny might drop, but I'm not sure. Um, you know, like I said, Dean Henderson had a tough night in terms of, you know, they won and he didn't have much to do, but he made that mistake, especially you're not going to get too many chances to start ahead of De Gea. But, you know, he's only made one error directly leading to a goal in his 36 appearances for Sheffield United last season. He's made two starts in he's made um, he has made his first in just three league appearances um, in all competition in the competition for Man United people. And he's got two starts. Um you know, Marcus Rashford has scored 42 goals under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in all comps. That's the most by any Manchester United player under a single manager since Alex Ferguson retired and called it a day. Manchester United are the first side to ever score two plus goals in 10 consecutive away games in the Premier League. They're the first club to do so in the top flight since Spurs did in October 1960. All five of Marcus Rashford Premier League goals this season have come away from Old Trafford. This is the most scored by any player in 2020-21 in the competition without coming at home. And again, I think Marcus Rashford's goals reflect Man United's format at, at Old Trafford compared to on the road. You know, they're making games harder than it needs to be at, at um, on the road, but they're doing a lot better. And I don't know what I don't know what is happening at Old Trafford, specifically playing at Old Trafford. But there's an issue. You know there's a problem when you let Arsenal go there and win since 2006. And also, Manchester United are the fourth side in the English top flight history to record 10 consecutive away wins, people. After Spurs, like I said, in, in, in 1960. Um, so, yeah, man. It was, a, you know, three points is three points. I'm sure Man United, still ha Man United fans still have concerns about their team, but they go marching on. 
Um, Wolves drama in that game, you know. Chelsea back to back defeats. Wolves, you know, Pedence, what a goal that was. What drama it was by Pedro Neto, you know. Pedence ripped up Reese James. Um, two late goals, you know. Giroud got them off to a flyer. And I still think there's pressure on the Verners and all of these sort of players to perform now, you know. And there's got to be pressure on Frank Lampard because they're dropping stupid points as well now, really and truly. But playing against Wolves is never an easy game. And valiant effort from Wolves and they deserve their three points. Manchester City drops points again. Good encouraging performance by West Bromwich Albion. I don't know if that's with the whole speculation over Bielik and Sam Allardyce coming in. You see an uptake, but they won't care who scores. You know, uh, Ruben Diaz's own goal, you know, cancelled out. Obviously, Gundogan's going. You know, it's it's a, like Arsenal against Southampton. It's a point game for West Bromwich Albion. It's two points dropped from Manchester City and they're making a meal of this season and making it harder than it needs to be. You know, Richarlison scored a very good goal for for um for Everton and Mason Holgate got his first Premier League goal as well, 2-0 um, against Leicester, putting them perfectly for, for the game on Saturday against us. Richarlison has scored four Premier League goals against Leicester versus no other side has he scored more. It is also just a second goal outside the box from the Brazilian, which was a pinger. Mason Holgate scored his first Premier League goal in what was his 69th appearance in the competition. Brighton and Fulham draw nil-nil. Um, you know, dropping two points isn't going to do much for Fulham, but we've seen togetherness within their team. I'm sure you all saw Le Liverpool versus Spurs. I did think Son's goal was offside. Congratulations to Son as well for winning the Puskas Award. Um, but I think Liverpool deserved it. Liverpool had hella domination. It didn't seem like the ball was going to go into the back of the net again after Mo Salah scored and obviously Son equalised for Liverpool. Um, you know, but it got over there late. Firmino, Heather stole the three points. I say stole the three points. They deserved it. I think Curtis Jones, I've been telling you lot, he's a baller. I do think he's 18 months away from an England call-up, so he might miss out on the Euros, but he's someone we need. You know, the Bakayo Sackers, the Mason Greenwoods, the Curtis Jones, the Phil Foldens, you know, the Jamal Musiala, the Jude Bellinghams. These are the players you need to put your hat on. And I think Curtis Jones has got everything. He's got, you know, Spanish technique with Liverpool heart to coin a phrase and a similar phrase Wenger once made about Jack Wilshere. I mean, the sky is the limit for Curtis Jones. And when you see what Harvey Elliott's doing at Blackburn, you know, the young G's might come good for, for Liverpool soon. Curtis Jones, for me, is best in a free role, but he can play off that left. He can play in the middle. He's, he's brave as well. You know, ability is one thing. He's got that technical level. That's that's all great, but you've got to have the mental ability. He's got that. He reflects the working class nature of Liverpool in a positive way. I really like Curtis Jones. Um, you know, it seemed like Jose Mourinho tried to play mind games with Jurgen Klopp all week and then he you know he suddenly got rattled himself and he was quite moany after the game people um but yeah you know Spurs's blueprint has been to be the underdog in a lot of games it didn't work this time you look at the first half they completed only 75 passes in the first half which is the fewest by a single side Jose Mourinho has managed since Real Madrid completed only 54 in the opening 45 minutes um against Pep Guardiola's Barcelona in 2012 Real Madrid actually won that game so it, when it works, it looks like a masterclass. When it don't, you look toothless. Um, Son has scored five goals in his last seven Premier League starts against the reigning champions. You know, the last time Chelsea won the league, Leicester won the league, City and Liverpool won the league. He's been the guy to score. So, again, negative, uh, a bit of a hoodoo there. Mo Salah's been directly involved in six goals in his last seven Premier League meetings with Tottenham. Five goals, one assist. So, that shows you what he's on, people. Um, I don't think I'm missing any Premier League action out. Let's actually go and, go and assess things. So, like I said, you know, we spoke about Wolves. We spoke about City. 
To recap, like I said, Wolves 2-1 against Chelsea. It was a 1-1 draw between Man City and West Brom. Arsenal and Southampton drew 1-1. Everton won 2-0 at, at Leicester. Leeds defeated Newcastle 5-2. You know, Fulham and Brighton drew 0-0. Liverpool 1-2-1 against Spurs. West Ham and Crystal Palace drew 1-1. Aston Villa and Burnley drew 0-0. And it was quite the game. Manchester United 3, Sheffield United 2. If we preview the next games to come, Crystal Palace against Liverpool. That's always a dodgy one. And it kicks us off at 12.30. That's a great way to step up. You know, Southampton, I'm sure they want to get back to winning ways. They welcome Manchester City to St Mary's at three o'clock people and that's due to be a a, a, a a sort of difficult game you know Southampton are looking to win back-to-back Premier League games against Manchester City for the first time since May 2003 as you lot know Manchester City actually lost this fixture 1-0 last season people um you know it's quite crazy if we go and look look back into each of last of the last two seasons people Southampton have actually won their final league uh, matches before Christmas in each of the last two of those and again Manchester City are dropping points they can't afford for this to keep happening so it's going to be a, a tough game to go back to Crystal Palace and Liverpool um since their return to the Premier League in 2013, Crystal Palace haven't kept a clean sheet in any of the 14 league games against Liverpool, losing nine, drawing one and winning four, with the Eagles losing each of the last six in a row against the Reds. So, you know, there's always something that can happen. And I'm sure if you're Spurs, you're hoping Liverpool now go and drop points because Spurs are trying to target the league. And obviously Chelsea are trying to do the same, but they've dropped points. Liverpool have won each of their last five Premier League away games at Crystal Palace. Um, Liverpool have lost just one of their last 13 Premier League away games in London since going, you know, they went, they lost 2-1 to Arsenal last season, if you remember, courtesy of Lacazette and Reese Nelson. You know, Liverpool have won their final league match before Christmas in each of three of the four last four seasons. Crystal Palace, as I've said, have kept just one clean sheet in their last 21 Premier League matches. And, you know, if you can only, it, them statistics look a bit dodgy. You look at Liverpool's front three, you know, it's, it's crazy. You can see how, how the script is going to flip. Everton welcome Arsenal, you know, which is a bit of a gazy one-on-one I get scared of. You know, Everton are doing what they need to do. They sit fifth, we sit 15th. Again, that tells you everything. Everton have kept a clean sheet in each of their last two Premier League games against Arsenal. Last keeping three in a row at home against the Gunners in November 66. And hopefully, maybe, you know, Iwobi wants to follow on from um, from um, Theo Walcott and score against his old team. Will we see Iwobi in a wing-back row? Who knows? Arsenal have won more Premier League games and scored more Premier League goals with 34 and 110 respectively against Everton than they have versus any other opponent. Everton haven't won their final league match before Christmas in any of their last six seasons, people. Um, Since beating Fulham 3-0 on opening day, Arsenal have scored just twice in their last five away games, people. Arsenal have lost eight of their last 12 Premier League games kicking off at 5.30. So it doesn't make for positive reading. Not that you need statistics to reflect how poor and atrocious Arsenal's season has actually been, people. You've got Spurs against Leicester. Now, Leicester, I'm sure, want to bounce back after the defeat to Everton. Second place, Spurs, 25 points. Um, You know, Leicester are on 24, level with Southampton. Goal difference, the only thing. And to be fair for Leicester, again, there's not too much separating the top, you know. Really and truly, you know, West Ham could actually draw level with up to Southampton and be two points off Spurs again, assuming results don't change. But this tells you how neck and neck it is, you know, from 10th, 
You know, from 10th to 1st, there's only eight points. From Wolves to Liverpool, there's only eight points, people. And when you look at away from that, you know, you look at City, they're only on 20 points. You know, top four only, you know, Southampton and Leicester only have 24 points and there's only been 13 games played. So there's a lot of football to be played, people. There is a lot of football to be to really be played for a lot of teams, even for those in the relegation zone, even for Arsenal in 15th. If we want to stay in the league, there's people behind us. So we'll have to see what Spurs and Leicester throws up, but that's going to be a big, meaty game. Spurs have won five of their last seven Premier League meetings with Leicester, netting 21 across those games. Leicester have won just one of their last nine away at Spurs. Spurs have only failed to score once in their last 20 meetings with Leicester. So this could be a free scoring game, or at least I hope it is with Kane and Jamie Vardy. Spurs have won their final league match before Christmas in six of the last seven seasons. The last time they lost was against Chelsea. You know, after picking up just six points in their first nine away Premier League matches, Leicester have won 15 in their last six on the road. So they travel well. Um, so make of that what you will. You've got Newcastle against Fulham. You've got Brighton against Sheffield United. You know, I'm sure Newcastle want to get back to winning ways after being smacked up against Leeds. I'm sure Fulham, you know, they need three points if they want to stay in the league. Brighton and Sheffield United, you know, Brighton, I'm sure they want to get back to winning ways. Sheffield United, again, like Fulham, need to win games. It's as simple as that. Um, we've got a Midlands derby in West Bromwich Albion against Aston Villa. That will be Sam Allardyce's first game in charge, I assume. And West Brom, after getting a big point off, off, off Man City, should be relishing it. For Villa, they've got to learn to take their chances. In their last game, as you saw, they had 21 effort, 27 efforts, apologies, and did F all with it. You know, I'm sure this was a game we was looking at when we saw Leeds United get promoted and one of them, the big one of the big games on the calendar Leeds fans were looking at. You've got Manchester United against Leeds. Now, Man United are good away from home. Are they good at home is going to be the question, people. Saying that, you know, Man United are unbeaten in their last 15 home league games against Leeds, people. And this will be the first league meeting between the suicides since they drew 1-1 at Old Trafford since 2004. You know, if we all remember the last time Leeds went away, they won in the in the FA Cup with Jermaine Beckford scored. I remember that game. I think Anderson was playing for United. United have lost just one of their last 13 Premier League meetings against Leeds since going down 1-0 at Ellen Road in 2002. You know, this is firmly the Eric Cantona derby, in my opinion. Manchester United have played more home games um, against Leeds without losing than against any other team. So, again... This is a game that needs no introduction. You've got Burnley against Wolves as well, people. Wolves fresh off a good win against Chelsea. Burnley have won, have lost just one of their last six home league meetings against Wolves. Wolves have won just one of their last eight meetings with Burnley. Both Premier League meetings between these two sides ended 1-1 with the home side netting a 90-minute penalty, which was an equaliser in both games. All five of Burnley's home Premier League wins in, in Monday games have seen them keep a clean sheet. Wolves have won eight of their last 10 away matches on a Monday. So we'll see what that has to say come 5.30 on a Monday. And Monday at 8pm, you've got the London Derby, the Declan Rice Derby. You know, this game always fr the Frank Lampard Derby as well. West Ham travel to Chelsea. Chelsea have lost two games in a spin. You lose a second, it gets a bit long. Um, with that, Chelsea have lost just one of their last 14 Premier League home games against West Ham. You know, they lost this exact fixture last year. West Ham won both home and away against Chelsea in the Premier League last year. So I'm sure Chelsea want to put that right. And I'm sure also they want to, you know, from a West Ham perspective, they want to keep that keep that going. 
Um, so we'll have to see what happens in that regards, people. Um, when scoring at least once, Chelsea have lost just one of their last 38 Premier League home games, drawing 10 and winning 27, with that defeat coming at the hands of Liverpool last season, people. So it is what it is, people. Make of that what you will. We're entitled to see some action. If we move to other news very briefly and quickly, people, I'm sure you've seen the FIFA awards. And congratulations to Jurgen Klopp. He claimed Liverpool's first title in 30 years. Um, I, I think he's well-deserved. Klopp would have been my pick if it wasn't for Hansi Flick, who I feel, you know, you've got to give ratings, people. He was event, he was appointed. I know, listen, I do think Klopp deserves it because he's, for a number of years, he's, you know, he's done well at Liverpool. You know, the task of making Liverpool Champions League winners and, and Premier League winners is harder than Bayern Munich. I'm not going to belittle that, but, you know, Pep Guardiola couldn't win the Champions League for Bayern Munich and, you know, Hansi Flick did it and when I consider this guy, again, I'm not going to act like I knew, I know, I know he's a quality manager, but I'm not going to act like I was following mine and I knew of his thing. I'm sure he was an assistant or a coach. He weren't really on the main scene like that at Bayern Munich. So to 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 take over in November 2019, people, and to, to the very fact is he's won more trophies as Bayern Munich manager than he's lost games. He's lost three games and won five trophies, people. He took over on the 3rd of November 2019 and he's won the Bundesliga, the DFL Pokal, the Champions League, the Super Cup, um, you know, the DFL Super Cup. He's been named Germany Footballer Football Manager of the Year. And he's also, you know, um, you know, he should he should have won UEFA men's coach of the year, but he didn't win the best FIFA men's coach of the year, I believe. Um like I said, credit to Jurgen Klopp, he deserved it. He would have been my pick, either one between the two. Klopp himself said, I'm not on winning this award, the, the you know, the best FIFA men's coach of the year award. He said, I'm not, but I won the award, so that's good enough. You know. Credit to Son Heung-min, he scored, he, he, his goal against Burnley meant he won the Puskas Award, um, you know. Yeah, um, Marcus Rashford is the recipient of the FIFA Foundation Award, I'm not too sure what that is, but I guess it's in recognition of, you know, his charity work and what he's been doing, you know, among child hunger and trying to eliminate that and the rest of the good causes that he's been doing as well, people. Um as you lot know, I'm not too sure if you do know, but apparently Russia will not be officially represented at the next Summer and Winter Olympic Games or the 22 World Cup in Qatar after a ruling by the CAS, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, um, I guess in relation to anti-doping. You know, three judges anonymously found the Russian anti-doping agency Rusada, R-U-S-A-D-A, um, non-compliant with global anti-doping codes over its failure to provide drug test data upon request by WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency, um, you know, which means that the Russian name flag and anthem will now be barred from Tokyo and Beijing games as well as the World Cup should the Russian national team qualify. But I do think there's ways around it, people. I do think Russian athletes can represent other other nations and things like that. Um, under the Under this rule, though, you know, at least in relation to... The Euros next year, St. Petersburg will still be able to host group games, um, group games, and also the quarterfinal will still be able to um to be held there, people. So it, it is it is what it is, people. So make of make of make of that what you will. If you don't know already, the Premier League, as you look, might know, has voted against the introduction of five substitutes for the third time. However, you're now you're allowed nine subs on the bench. So hopefully that means Arsenal allow more young players. Also, there's talk of, you know, um, bringing in a sub in relation to um, concussion and things around that. And obviously, you still know there's a lot of... What, what, what's the what's the right word, people? There's a lot of um, research, better yet, going on. And 
Finally, to end this podcast, people, it's more of the same, but apparently the FA, the Football Association, has charged Manchester United striker Edison Cavani with misconduct in relation to a social media post that used a racial term. You know, it was deleted. Apparently, he now faces the prospect of a minimum three-game ban. United said the player in the club will now consider the charge and respond to the FA accordingly. As you lot know, the FA stated Cavani has been charged with misconduct for breach of a FA rule um, E3 in relation to a social media post on Thursday the 29th of November 2020. It is alleged that contrary to this rule, a player posted on the Manchester United FC, um, uh, sorry, a comment posted on the Manchester United players um, Instagram page was insulting and or abusive and or improper conduct and and or brought the game into dispute. It is further alleged that the comment consti- constitutes to an alleged an alleged aggravated breach which is defined in the FA rule E3 um, point two, as it included a reference whether expressed or implied to a colour and a race and or ethnic origin. Now, I'm not defending Cavani, you know. Again, I do think ultimately it is racist, but I do think, you know, the context was a bit different. The way it is used around South America, man, is a bit different. I'm not, I'm not excusing it because you come to this country, things change. You would have thought a big global brand like Man United uh, in general and footballers in general, you know, would learn not to say certain things, even if there's an air of doubt, or just have better social media training, where social media is still a new thing for ballers. They've got to learn around it. Um, And, you know, Cavani shot himself in the foot, really and truly. Apparently, he's got until Monday, the 4th of January 2021, to provide a response to the charge people. Manchester United are attempting to offset such punishment by providing a a cultural context, Um, David Ornstein said. Apparently, one aspect to be put forward is that the term has been used by Cavani and his close friends as a specific nickname for a friend in question with written evidence available in offending the message. Cavani was expressing thanks, given and indicating as to his meaning. So if he says thanks, my N-word, that doesn't mean it's good. And again, Man United are going to try everything. But again, I don't think it's racist. I do think he's... It is fundamentally racist, of course, but I don't think he's tried to use it in that term. But fundamentally, you know, you've used it. You come to a new country, you've got to use things in a different way. So it is what it is, people. Um, And United have said, Man United and all our players are finally are fully committed to to the fight against racism and will continue to work with the FA and there's more jargon around that people apparently we note that the FA's decision to charge Cavani for his social media reply to a friend's message of congratulations following the Southampton game Edison and the club were clear that there was absolutely no malicious intent behind the message which he deleted and apologized for as soon as he was informed that it could be misconstrued the player and the club will now consider the charge and respond to the FA accordingly So make of that what you will, people. So, yeah, man, across this podcast, we've obviously reviewed the Premier League action that's been happening this week. We've previewed the games to come. We've spoken about a couple of things off the field. The next deluded podcast, because there is a game on Monday, will come out Tuesday morning. So, you know, for those of you who don't know what I'm referring to, Tuesday is... What day is Tuesday? Tuesday will be the 22nd, people. Tuesday will be the 22nd. So make a mental note of that. You know, in the meantime, please make sure you check out my YouTube content. I'm always live streaming and the rest of it. Um, You know, we'll be doing some stuff around the Everton game. Please make sure you follow me across all my socials. The information you require is in the description of this podcast. Please make sure you subscribe on YouTube and you're following not only on Spotify, but Apple and any other streaming platforms you're listening to me on. It's been a pleasure um, to be with you for 40 odd minutes, but I'm going to keep it moving. Like I said, it's been a pleasure. DG, I'm out. Thank you for listening. I'm out.